Y'all pray for me because you saw Caleb, Trace, and Anna up here. They're going to be seniors next year. I have one more year. So we need to pray for another Caleb, another Anna, another Trace. We need to. We all just pray for me in general, you know? Having to be with this guy, I mean... I want to get y'all out of here by noon. Is that okay? Yes, thanks. Appreciate it. Anyway, I'll try and keep it short and sweet because some of y'all are like, it's, I'm already hungry. <laughs> if y'all could do me a huge favor as I open up this morning, I need you to do an activity. Here's the activity. I want you to think of Five ways that you would describe yourself. As you're sitting right there, if you have a journal or notebook in front of you, you have your phone, what are five ways of how you would describe yourself? Write those down. Take, take 30 seconds. Some of you are thinking of it in your head. You're like, I'm not writing it down. I'll think of it in my head. What are five ways in which you would describe yourself good looking like i mean what would you what would you say some of you were like i don't have enough brain power second cup of coffee hasn't come in yet give you another 10 seconds some of you have a fourth one you're like i can't think of a fifth one Okay, you have your answers? I'm going to call on three people. I'm just kidding. I'm going to show you five of the top influencers, five of the top people on Instagram who maybe have some of the most followers and how they would describe themselves in their bio on Instagram. Maybe they might give us one word, maybe they might give us several words, but I just want to show you in how they would describe themselves. So here's the first one I'm going to show you is Taylor Swift. 210 million followers, and this is what she wants people to know on her bio. Happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time, and I know some of y'all are thinking I can sing that song because that's one of the lyrics to her song. But she wants 210 million people to know happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. Just want you to think about that. Here comes the next one, The Rock. Founder. Thanks, Rock. I appreciate it. He wants everyone to know he is a founder. 315 million people. Take that, Taylor Swift. Many of you might know her as this. I feel like she's a dear friend, but J-Lo, okay? Jennifer Lopez, here she is. 207 million followers. She just, hey, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. Look at me, I'm an artist. Some of you might know him as something differently. I know him as in the movie Titanic, but Leonardo DiCaprio, here he is. Describes himself as an actor, an environmentalist. That's what Leonardo wants you to know. 53 million people to know. Hey, I'm an 
actor and environmentalist. And last but not least, this is for you, Dane, Selena Gomez, right here. Ramps it up even more, 319 million followers. She has musician slash band, but praise God we see someone by grace through faith. But how would you describe yourself in five words? If you had that many followers, because there's people following you whether you think so or not, and how would you describe yourself? One of the most important questions we all must answer is this, who am I? Who am I? Graduates, one of the most important things that you need to know before you go off is who am I? Because we aren't these We aren't, I am what I do. You're not what you do. You had up there, actor, environmentalist, founder. Listen, you're not what you do. Second thing is you're not what others say about you. This is free this morning. It has nothing to do with my message, but I'll never forget someone told me this. Don't let people who know you the least try and define you the most. I've said this before like six months ago, but the only person who can define you is the one who designed you. Or the only person who can label you is the God who created you. You want another one? I don't have any more. (laughs) Or some people were not this, I am what I have, like my possessions. Those are not you, but we're getting into this world, students, I'll touch on it here in a little bit, that I am what I feel. It's getting scary, right? You are what you feel. That's what some people think these days. Some days I feel like I'm this, and other days I feel like I'm this. Some of you are like, don't go there this morning. But what I want each and every one of us to know, whether heading off to college, you're in the workplace, you're coming up, no matter what, my message title this morning is this, Identity Before Activity. We must know our identity before we even do any type of activity. One of the main questions we ask before anyone leads worship is, hey, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Because I want to know about their identity. Why do I want to know about their identity? Because if they aren't in Christ, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, then they're entertainers, but they're not worshipers. And what we want up here is worshipers. Of Jesus, not entertainers of people. Why I love Brian Broom is he's a worshiper. He loves Jesus genuinely. And it comes out of him as he leads worship. Identity before activity. See, who I am in Christ must come before what I do for Christ. I'm hoping as you guys go off into college, who you are in Christ will determine what you do for Christ. Who you are in Christ. It's just going to flow out of you for you to do something just amazing for Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, haven't put them away, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to touch on a familiar passage this morning. 
And this passage is so key, it's so important because it's not only found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke. Must be a pretty big deal to be found in all three places for them to record this, for them to be eyewitnesses of it. And it's the baptism of Jesus. We just had baptism earlier. I'm going to talk about the baptism of Jesus. It's on the screen. You didn't bring your Bibles or you have your Bible app. Here it is, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Like, why am I trying to baptize you? Like, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Okay, Jesus, okay, okay. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened. I wish we could like see this on a film. Like what a powerful scene to see heaven opened. Can you not just imagine that for a second? Like heaven opens, like Jesus is being baptized, he's coming out of the water, and heaven opens. Some of y'all saw a tornado last night. Anybody see a tornado last night? Some of you were crazy enough to chase it. Don't chase tornadoes. But imagine just heaven opening. This is what's happening here. About to see the Trinity. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son. Don't y'all imagine like Morgan Freeman as, y'all don't imagine that? Am I the only one? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Of all the things God could have said over Jesus, he says this one sentence that I think we all need to have ingrained in us this morning because it's powerful. It can change the way you wake up every single morning. Graduates, it can change the way you're going to go to school and what you're going to do. The first thing that he wants the world to know about Jesus is this. This is my child. This is my son. See this beautiful picture right here? The biggest cloud ever. It says, this is my child. Like, this is my son. This is significant because God could have said anything. He could have said, man, this is my carpenter. He's the best carpenter ever. You want him to build you a rocking chair? He can build you the best one. He could have said, hey, this is Mary's son. I want to tell you about Mary's son. He could have said, no, 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 this is the brother of James. Some of y'all don't like to be referred to, oh, you must be the brother of so-and-so. He could have said this. He could have taken it a step further. He could have said, hey, this is the miracle maker. This is the guy who is about to rise from the grave. Let me tell you about him. This is the guy who walks on water. He could have said that. But you know what God declares over Jesus that we need to hear loud and clear this morning? He says, this is my son, a.k.a. you belong. Yeah. 
Do you know each and every person this morning that you belong? You belong to a church family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all sons and daughters of Jesus if we've received him. We're all made in the image of God, but it's not until we receive Jesus that we become his son or his daughter. But the very first thing that God wants Jesus to know as he comes up out of the water, heaven opens, the spirit of God descends on him like a dove. He says, man, this is my son. Not carpenter, not Mary's son, not miracle worker, you name it, but hey, this is my son. In your bio, the most important thing that you guys can know is not founder, not environmentalist, not artist, but the most important thing that you can walk into your next phase of life with, the next thing being tomorrow, being the next day, is hey, you are a child of God. That can't be taken from you. That's big. There are things that can be taken from you in life, but there's one thing that can't be taken from you, and that is you are his son or his daughter. You are a child of God. See, before Jesus did any public ministry, God declared his identity. People would say he is 30 years old at this time, has not done anything yet. He's about to be tempted, but he hasn't done anything yet. And Jesus, and God wants Jesus to know, hey, you're my son. Identity before ministry. Identity before activity. Identity before anything. I want you to know your identity. This is what I want you to know. I want you to know not only who you are, but I want you to know whose you are. Do you know whose you are? Because if you belong to Jesus, you're God's. You're not the enemies. You're not anybody else's. You are God's first and foremost. Can we live out of that? It's not I feel the four I am. It's God says therefore I am because the world is going to try and contradict who you are. And the best fact checker that we have is God's word. See, the enemy is always out to attack your identity. How do I know that? The very first temptation that Jesus encountered was his identity. Right after this big spiritual moment in his life, the enemy ain't happy, and he tries to attack his identity. Because if you flip over in your page, you're right there on the same page. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, he attacks his identity. The enemy's gonna attack your identity. He is. Because as long as you are unsure of your identity, you're gonna be pressured to fit into other people's molds. But if you know who you are and whose you are, you ain't gonna be pressured to fit into anybody else's mold. You're gonna be you who God has created, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're his workmanship, that you're his masterpiece, that he formed you while you're in your mother's womb, that she is witnessing something taking place right now that maybe she's prayed 18 years about because some of you are walking in the calling that God has given you. And it's a beautiful thing. It is. 
See, if work is our identity, what happens when work fails? That's why he wouldn't say, hey, this is my carpenter. If sports is our identity, what happens when we get hurt? Being in youth ministry, I've seen students crushed because they played sports and all of a sudden they're injured and like, what do I do? Like it was my identity for so long and now I don't know what to do because their identity was wrapped all in sports. Maybe parents coming up keep establishing in them who they are in Christ, that they are a child of God first and foremost. He says, this is my son. The next thing that he tells Jesus is, hey, whom I love. He says, whom I love. So, man, I'm loved. Whom I love. Only a child loved. Loved. Some of you are like, man, I'm so glad I woke up this morning to hear Jesus loves me. I knew that, Hux. But do you really know it? Do you really believe that's the most important thing, that you're a child of God and that you're loved by Jesus? Not because of what you do, but because of whose you are. Because some of you think that God loves you more or loves you less because of what you do or what you don't do. And I'm here to tell you, God loves you no matter what you do or what you don't do. God's love's not gonna change for you. It's gonna be constant. It's gonna be consistent. It's never gonna change because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His mercies are gonna be new every single day. Listen, Jesus loves you the same. He does. You're loved by him. You're seeing the Father's like adoration, his affection. Many of your translations say, man, this is my beloved. That word beloved there means like dear and very much love. Like here God is expressing his love. Like when it's genuine love, it's not afraid to be expressed. And can I encourage you parents and grandparents to daily express your love to your kids. Let them know they're loved. Listen, they're going to mess up. But can you remind them of how loved they are daily? Let them know that you love them. And that's not going to change, regardless of what might happen. Because, let me ask you again, has Jesus done anything yet? No, he hasn't done anything yet. He's 30 years old, graduates. How old are you guys? 18, 18. He's 30 years old. And God is still declaring over him, hey, guess what? You're not only my son, but you're loved. Does he have a bachelor's yet? Does he have an associate's yet? Does he? All right, he's got a J-O-B, okay. <laughs> but listen, like I said, it's not what you do, it's because of who you are. I love what even it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. Children of God, he's lavished this love on us. Some of you might try to seek love. Can I encourage you to receive his love daily? Because you're gonna try and seek it in other places and I just wanna encourage you to continue to receive his love that you are loved. And last but not least, he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am 
well pleased. With him I am well pleased. All right, just to make sure y'all haven't fallen asleep. Has Jesus done anything yet? Has he done anything yet? God, how could you say that? How could you say that you're pleased with Jesus? He hasn't even performed a miracle yet. He hasn't even fed 5,000 people who are hungry. Because some of you are hungry right now. He hasn't even done that yet, has he? He hasn't fed one person yet. And Jesus, and God says to Jesus, with whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. Jesus' righteousness replaces our filth when we believe in him. His robe remains on us because his sacrifice was enough to cover all our sins, past, present, and future. See, we often feel like we have to perform well and then God will be pleased with us as if our identity is found in our performance. If we perform poorly, then we feel that God is disappointed with us. Because you are his son, he is already pleased with you. Some of you need to hear that. Because some of you, what you're striving for, Broom, you can go back for me to one of those Instagram bios. Some of you are striving for that blue check. You're striving to be verified. And I want to let you know that before you even get a blue check or strive for a blue check, that you've already gotten God's check of approval. And you need to hear that. Hear that loud and clear. Like Jesus heard from heaven. Well pleased. See, God's standard of perfection has been met through Christ's perfect sacrifice for our sins. If we have received forgiveness for our sins by believing in Jesus as our Savior, then God sees his perfection when he looks at us. But somehow we think when God looks at us that he looks at our sin, but when he looks at us, if we've received Jesus, he looks at his son. He sees his perfection, so he is already pleased. He says, well, pleased. And some of you are still striving. Some of you are like, I gotta perform well. If I didn't perform well, maybe he doesn't love me. No, he still loves you the same. He does. What would happen if we walked away and woke up every single morning knowing that we're loved, we're his child, he's well pleased with us. Some of us operate out of this slave mentality and I'll finish by reading this as the band comes up. I was living like a slave, not a son. See, a slave toils to earn his keep. A son rests in his position as a child of God. A slave worries that he won't be enough. A son knows that he doesn't have to be enough in order to be loved. A slave aims to please the master. A son delights in his dad who is already pleased with him because he is his. Toil, worry, striving, these are the marks of a slave who fears his master and is never satisfied. Rest, peace, and delight. 
These are the characteristics of a son who knows the acceptance of his father. Can you hear the voice of your heavenly father this morning? That you are his child, you're loved, he is well pleased. Students, graduates, I didn't want you all to forget this message. So if each of you this morning is going to be walking away with, I know it looks like a bar of soap from here. It's not. We do want you to make sure your hygiene is okay. (laughs) But I wanted you to walk away with this that says, I am a child of God. That when you wake up, going to classes, going to work, you name it, that you would remind yourself first and foremost that you're a child of God. The most important thing about your bio is you're a child of God. That can't be taken from you. You can't be snatched out of his hand. Nothing can change that. Baptism, two of you were baptized today. What I love about the baptism of Jesus, because students ask, or I ask them, why do you think Jesus was baptized? You want to let the world know, hey, this is his identity. When you were baptized today, you let everyone know your new identity, that you once were lost, now you're found. The old is gone, the new has come. You're a brand new creation. Old is gone, new has come. Continue to walk in your new identity. Let me pray. God, I pray for each and every person here. that they'd be reminded of their identity. They wouldn't question it for a second. But God, I pray for the person who's maybe here, maybe they're a relative of a graduate, maybe they just happened to come this Sunday. And they're not a child of you, God. They were made in your image, but they've never received you as their Savior and their Lord. They never said, God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the grave. I want a relationship with you, God. I pray they would put that down on a card. They would tell somebody. They would stop by guest services and say, hey, I want to know. I want to be secure and know that I am a child of God. I pray they'd make that decision today. But God, I pray for each and every person here that would know their true identity that is found in you. God, we love you. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. May I invite you to stand to your feet this morning as we sing who we truly are in Christ. Let's stand and sing.
Daughters of God 